You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, ma. Anything's possible. Rainy days. Jump shot fade away. This is the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it like when Tatum play a Jalen on the breakaway, a Kyrie when he make a trade, and nothing like the terrible analysts on the TV. So in depth that after you play it, you gotta repeat. So in depth they might do an hour about the D League. So in depth you probably should pay him, but it's a freebie. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J. King locked on trying to get the 18th ring. And well wishes go to Gordon. Listen after every game is very important, Millie. Hey there, welcome back to the Lockdown Celtics Podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. I want to thank you for making us part of your daily routine. As always, we're the Rain and Jays here post-game, 104-102 loss to the Milwaukee Bucks in Game 4 of the Eastern Conference first round of the playoffs. I am John Corrales of RedsArmy.com and Boston.com, and I am joined, as always, post-game by Sam Jampackard of Twitter.com which is the most accurate place to find all of his postings and wonderful rants. And so uh, for those who uh, I'm going to let you in on the the background, this is our second attempt at the podcast. First attempt at the podcast, we lost all that gold, and now we're back to try to remake it. Yeah, I'm not going to try and recreate everything I said, but just for the folks out there know that um, we had about 10 minutes of just oh. – Man, fantastic content. The best podcasting you could ever hope for, and it, it's gone. But we're here. We're going to try to recreate it. Uh, falling apart after 10 minutes seems accurate because that's <laughs> yeah. what the Celtics did tonight, <laughs> today. Uh, they fell apart in the first quarter after 10 minutes. They had uh, – I wouldn't want to say it was awesome to begin, but they had good energy, and they, they were playing well. And then everything kind of fell apart for – uh, the rest of the first quarter, this the entire second quarter for the most part, and then halfway through the third, they woke up. Uh, I think complicit were the Bucks in that I think we can talk about just energy. I, I think energy is the key word here, that when the Milwaukee Bucks came with energy, they were able to beat the Celtics, and, and they did that in game three. They came out, and they matched the crowd's energy. They fed off of it. And when you talk about role players doing well on the uh, at home versus on the road, they, this is it. They, they're feeding off of the crowd. They're, they're, they really are getting that boost. And when they were active, they did well, the Bucks did. And then I think in the third, in, yeah, in the third quarter, when they went up 20, they felt like, ah, all right, we got it. We can coast. The second they decided to coast, the Celtics went on that massive run and ended up taking the lead. And then it wasn't until the last five minutes of the fourth quarter where they said, oh, shit, we can't coast anymore and we've got to start playing. Like They stopped trying to ISO. They went back to playing that defense, that handsy type of defense where they're getting deflections. And then both teams went back and forth, and it was a fun finish, but up until that point, the, the Bucks kind of, you know, proverbially took the foot off the gas, and the Celtics just happily took advantage of that. Yeah, and I thought the, the energy point is a huge one, and it, it came from 
at least in games three and games four, um, places where I did not see it coming from. I may or may not have officially declared the Bucks dead uh, on the Thursday podcast. Seems to be uh, I was a bit off or inaccurate, but I did uh, I did say that if the if there was going to be a curveball and there was going to be a change, it was going to be in the form of Thon Maker, and I think he was one of the guys who provided the Bucks with uh, tremendous energy. Just the Bucks, we talked about this um, before the series. We've talked about it um, throughout the series. The Bucks really strive when they can get out in fast break and they can get out in transition. And Thon Maker has been a real difference uh, at the rim. Um, I really you wanted avoided... to say difference maker. I yeah, I did, and I thought I've heard that joke so many times, and I really wanted to avoid it. Um, but we're now we're here. Um, and then Delhi, I thought as much uh, he's was just a pest off the bench, and another reason. Why the the Bucks got a lot of steals and the the Celtics created a lot of turnovers, and the environment in Milwaukee was great. I thought the the Celtics did a really good job. Just you you mentioned before to start this game, I don't think it was it was wasn't great because they weren't scoring, but I thought their the Celtics defense in the first six minutes was was amazing. It just so happened that they on the offensive end, um, Tito missed some key threes, and then I thought this, the Celtics missed a lot of layups or a lot of opportunities at the rim. They were getting a lot of offensive rebounds, but really they had a chance to, to build a lead, and then all of a sudden, after what was a pretty dominant six minutes, the Bucks go on a 6-0 run, and the game's tied, and then ever after that, the Celtics just really couldn't score in the, the rest of that half. I mean, they have a 17-point quarter and then an 18-point quarter. Not great. Uh just not what you want from the Celtics. Um, and it was good to see them turn it around. And it just felt like this is the kind of, I mean, I wasn't, I conceded the game at some point in the third quarter. I stopped taking notes and, and said, oh man, this is going to, this is a shitty game four. But the Celtics just never give up. It's just what we've seen from this team throughout Brad Stevens' tenure. And it's just, it was an impressive comeback. There's a couple things you can nitpick at the end of the game. Uh, maybe Jalen Brown was fouled. Um, maybe they shouldn't have pushed it on that um, when they were up by one. With, uh, yeah, when he, that was fouled. Or you can you can nitpick with the the final shot at the end of the game. But I think if you're a Celtics fan and you're a sports optimist like I am, like it's generally a good thing that they the the Celtics dominated the second half. They out, uh, outscored the Bucks by 14 points. Um, I just thought they, they had a, a better answer for Thon Maker. I thought Semi gave them really good minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I just it, This feels like the, the adjustment factor came a little bit too late, um, and they weren't able to pull it out. But I still think the, the Celtics are the stronger team um, heading into Game 5. And there's a possibility of Marcus Smart returning in, in a Game 6 or, yeah. I know you think, maybe earlier. Game, look, the, the, the doctor's appointment is on Tuesday. So, it's Marcus Smart, member of the Boston Celtics, NBA basketball player. Millionaire. <laughs> millionaire. I feel like he can get the early appointment. I feel like he can get the first appointment in. And the appointment's in New York City. New York City is a 45-minute flight from to, to, to Boston. So, I feel like Marcus Smart can go in, get cleared, and say, Hey, I'm ready, and play, and play Tuesday night. Why not? Like, I, I don't understand why, if the appointment's on Tuesday, why he would have to wait until Thursday, unless the doctor says, you're good to play on Thursday. Like, the extra two days of healing, for some reason, would be uh, the difference between him re-injuring or not re-injuring. But 
I would not be surprised if Marcus Smart is ready to go for game five. No, it feels like in his early, like pregame comments, like he's really ready to play. He just he says he's basically ready to go. He just needs the okay from the doctor. Yeah. And so you're right. You would think if that if that okay comes at nine fifteen in New York on Tuesday morning, he sh- he could make it back to Boston. But um, I even think without this? Marcus Smart, how about how about you go to Boston, pay for the doctor to go to Boston and and, and examine him there. No, like, Boston doesn't have happen? any hospitals, man. But, like, there's only certain wrist machines that uh, <laughs> are in New York City. Come on, man. Anyway. But I just I don't even think the Celtics need Marcus Smart for Game 5. I think this is a classic case of um, home and road in the playoffs. I mean, it reminded me a lot of the, the Wizards series last year where the Celtics came out. They won the first two games. They had the crazy Isaiah um, overtime 50-point performance in Game 2. And then they went to Washington and got their asses kicked for games three and four um, and came back, won game five at home, lost game six. Uh, that was a very close game in game six. And then ended up winning game seven, of course, because of uh, the great Kelly Olynyk. I think that Wizards team is a lot better than this Bucks team. I think the fact that the, the Celtics could kind of stage this comeback in game four and show that they can make the adjustment is a good sign um, moving forward for their general uh, chances in this series. I don't know. I just I think that you're going to see players like Terry Rozier play a little bit better um, at home, Luke Morris, and there's a lot of good things to be to kind of take away from this game. Um, and if we're talking about the real long term view of this this series, the everyone has said the Celtics have not like they're not going to make the finals. It'd be cool if they made a second round. It'd be cool if they made the Eastern Conference Finals. But this playoff run is about Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown getting playoff experience and kind of thriving in the moment and kind of learning about the intensity of playoff basketball. And today in the second half, those two guys were amazing. They were, I think they scored in the second half, scored 37 points on 14 of 22 shooting. Uh, In terms of teammates who are under 22, I think they just scored the most amount of points uh, since Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant in 2010. Like, those guys really showed up in the second half. Um, and Jalen Brown, I didn't, I just didn't know he had it in him. I see he's shown flashes of this um, throughout the season. Um, I've been calling him downtown Jalen Brown when he's made threes, but I just didn't know he had this type of three-point making. And the strength he has to finish, uh, especially late in this game, was damn, damn impressive. In two 30-point performances in the playoffs from Jalen Brown is um, – Amazing. So from the long-term view, the extremely long-term view, you have to be like, you, you got to be a sports optimist. Like your, your guys, your players who are 20 and 21 years old are balling the fuck out right now. And um, I still think they're going to be good enough to win the series. Yeah. I mean, look, you look at those two guys combining for 55 points tonight is that's huge. It's a huge deal. And they were, they were the only reason why the Celtics had a shot in this game. And they took a lead. So I, I I feel good. I feel good even after the Game 3 debacle. I feel good that they were able to make that adjustment, get Shemi Ojale in, and and kind of counter Thonmaker, which is, the like you said, the curveball that you called that Jay King laughed, laughed in your in face. My face. Just he right laughed in, your in my face. face. He just dismissed it. And we will not let him get off the hook 
for laughing in your face about something you're completely right about. And he, uh, and but, we'll use that to draw away from the tension of the fact that I declared the Bucks dead and said there was zero chance they were going <laughs> to win the series. Let's not talk about that fact. Let's not, the, the, this is the, the game played here is you forget about the things that were wrong and you tout the things that were right. And people go, Oh, yeah, he was right about that. Yeah, and you forget about you the control. things that were wrong. That's it. That's it. It's all about getting that narrative out there. You were right about this big thing that not many people were right about. So just ride that wave, baby. That's what uh, I'm doing. Do you want to talk so, about the uh, the end of the game execution? No, not at all. No, not at, yeah. No, we got to talk about that. Let's talk about that. Oh uh, well, uh, because let's... they brought you mentioned bringing in Semi, and I saw some comments like why why is Semi in there? And Brad basically was. Very, very curt after the game. A bit a bit rude playoff Brad, but he just said switchability. And that's what the, the Celtics were doing. They were switching on everything and then just basically hounding the shit out of Giannis every time he tried to post up. Um, and it turned into a pretty good strategy. Uh, and then at the end of the game, they, they got up one and they basically, got a, I think Giannis missed a, a shot or they got a steal. It was Terry passed it up to Jalen and... This clip has been shown many times. Chris Middleton basically just whacks Jalen on the arm. It ends up going the other way. No foul call. And Brogdon hits the huge three in the corner. But I don't know if you can really be like, yes, I think by the letter of the law, that would be a foul. But literally the Celtics spent the entire fourth quarter just hounding hounding Giannis in the post. Um, Jason Tatum just like really... Uh, I think just fouling him repeatedly. There was one play where uh, Drew Bledsoe just threw it out of bounds, and it was blatantly just because Tatum was harassing Giannis. So I don't think you could like. Yes, it's frustrating as Celtics fans, but I don't think you can play the the referee game there just because they're no. they're playing fast and loose. The the refs were with the whistles, or they weren't. They held them. I, they were the opposite of fast and loose. They were slow I, and tight with the whistles. <laughs> I I just want to say about the referees like I get it there were missed calls totally missed calls Um, but those missed calls exist on both sides and the advantage gained on either side I think it's minimal and after the game Marcus Morris saying more things about the refs that's probably going to cost them another $15,000 keeps talking about getting targeted fine you have a case if you sit there and say there are a ton of instances where Celtics were fouled and there were no calls, fine. But there were also instances where uh, Jason Tatum blatantly grabbed, I think it was Chris Middleton's jersey. Oh, yeah. Was, was it Middleton's jersey? I forget whose jersey it was. But blatantly grabbed, pulled, and almost tore the jersey and no call. There were, there are, it's happening on both sides. And because a lot of people only see things from the Celtics' perspective, which is fine. You're a fan. You're watching the Celtics, and you see them, you see them getting fouled, and you you're upset about that. But it's happening on both sides, and this is the type of this is the type of basketball that happens in the playoffs. We keep talking about how playoff basketball is different, and this is part of it. You get away with a lot more. You get. Fouls happen, and they're not called. And I think early on, the Celtics didn't respond to that physical nature very well. They, they, they didn't start uh, finishing with any sort of uh, 
I guess, with any sort of adjustment to the physical defense or strength until later like, in the game. Like they were like That's giving the up after like contact and looking for a foul. And late in the yeah. game, was just like, okay, we know we're going to get hit. We need to like, and Jalen Brown specifically was like, we need to finish through contact. Right. Instead of getting hit, falling away, and flicking up a shot and thinking, oh, we're going to get the foul call, you play through it. And finish, just finish as if no foul is going to get called. And then if you get the whistle, great. So it's really uh, both teams took a, I think, equal, yeah, 25 free throws for the Celtics, 24 free throws for the Bucks. Uh, personal fouls, 24 for the Bucks, 21 for the Celtics. It was all pretty even. So, yeah, you can point to certain plays and say he got fouled. And Jalen Brown with less than a minute to go after that stop, probably got fouled, probably. But the Celtics probably committed a foul turning that ball over anyway. So it all it all works. I, I just I, – I don't like seeing it on Twitter. I don't like seeing people blaming the refs and just committing to blaming the refs for everything. It happens every playoffs, and it just bugs me because it gets away from the fundamental problems that the Celtics had in this game – which was not playing with that, that strength through contact, not playing uh, with that, that same energy, the same speed. It, it, it just they, Not being they aggressive, s- really settling for just like ISO mid-range, jumpers. That mid- was a big problem for me, man. That was a big problem for me because early on in the third, it was just like just mid-range jumper after mid-range jumper, and I'm a proponent of taking the occasional mid-range jumper, but that's all they settled for. And then when the Celtics started making their comeback, next thing you know, they were actually driving and kicking and getting threes and working the ball around a little bit and getting open threes and making them. And that's how you made the comeback. So uh, I think the Celtics need to play with they, – they just need to match that energy. And again, in Boston, getting there – for for a game uh, five is going to be uh, key. I hope that game starts at seven. Seven's even, you, the game starts at either six or seven, and it depends on what the uh, the Warriors and Spurs do if the Spurs win. So we're recording this during that game. So the Spurs are winning right now in the third quarter as we record this. The Spurs win, and they got to play again. The Celtics will start at, at seven. If not, then they'll start at 6, which is the worst start time. I hate 6 o'clock because the, the gym's going to be empty. It's going to be empty for the first quarter. And there's even less time to get Marcus Smart from the airport to, um, right. to the court. Right. Remember when um uh, the Celtics catchers couldn't – I mean, not the Celtics, the Red Sox catchers just couldn't, couldn't get Tim Wakefield's knuckleball, so he had a police escort. Yeah. If they can do that for Doug Mirabelli, I think Marcus Smart – who did a pretty good job as an assistant coach uh, in today's game. I thought he was uh, very vocal. There's a lot of tweets about him talking to a lot of players. Maybe he has a, a second career as a coach. But if they can do it for Doug Mirabelli, I, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. Marcus Smart can get back from New York on by that 6 o'clock game. Now, what uh, if, do you think of the final play? Um, I, I, I think that they, well, they have to inbound the ball. And... Milwaukee took away the first option. So they they inbounded the ball and got got it to a guy who can create a shot and make shots in that instance. It's not exactly what I I would have liked, but you know. Yeah. 
It happens. I went it back happens. and watched it a bunch of times. I th- it looked like the play that was designed where they did the thing that Brad does where he, he takes his guard and puts him all the way in the backcourt and has him running. But the the Bucks switched every single screen, and so I think the play was designed to have uh, Tito come around for a three, but Brogdon had already switched it. And so this is what Brad said after the game is that Mook made the right read and noticed that like that wasn't going to be an open shot. And Mook went ISO Mook, and I was always a little bit surprised the shot didn't fall because that's kind of his go-to. But I had no real problems with the play design. I thought Brad did a good job. Uh, the possession before with um, when they needed the quick two-for-one, they went to Horford at the top of the key with, who blew right past Thon Maker. I have no issues with like kind of the the execution. I would have rather Horford made that dunk, and then so they would have gone up uh, one. But I thought the Celtics played pretty good down the stretch. They played great defense. Brogdon missed that um, like kind of a, a runaway floater, and Giannis just made a a good play and was helped by the fact that he's seven feet tall. Right. What are you going to do about that? That's that's they they did what they could. I think I think ultimately the lesson is don't go down by twenty. And in the third quarter, don't suck. Don't (laughs) Don't suck suck. for that long. Uh, Don't do something stupid like roll the ball inbounds. Oh, yeah. That was terrible. That was the the Marcus Morris inbound where he rolled it basically straight to Delavadova for that. Like that, you can just say that play was so stupid, but that was also two points. And it's not directly really you say oh it's two points we lost by two that were i mean you can't say that i really hate that argument because everything changes but like butterfly effect things you can't say that but you're right right. it's very very stupid you can criticize it for being dumb when you lose by two points a really dumb play like that hurts and you wish that those two points didn't get scored because that was one of the worst plays i've ever seen in basketball if it had happened at a high school level it would have been embarrassing, and it happened in the pros to us. So that was bad. But, uh, yeah, I think ultimately the Celtics, I can boil it down to that whole energy argument. I really can because when the Celtics play with more energy than the Bucks, then the Bucks lose. The Cel- if the Bucks play with more energy with- than the Celtics, the Celtics lose. Like, they, they have to go out there – and just be they they have to they have to play that, that crisp style of basketball and then they also they just have to make those shots like when you look at the the Celtics in the in the first quarter Terry Rozier like Terry Rozier was awesome in games 1 and 2 and in game 3 he wasn't particularly great like he finished with 10 points on 3 of 12 shooting 2 of 10 from 3 like 2 of 10 that's that's ugh. but he missed uh he missed a three pointer before like early on right away, and when the Celtics were up twelve seven, he missed an open three. Uh, Milwaukee scored. He missed another wide open three. If he hits those two, first of all, it goes fifteen seven. Even if they come back and score, then it's eighteen nine. That's a lot different than twelve nine. And you, when, when you have those opportunities to score early and extend leads, you just don't know what kind of pressure that puts on other teams. So the, and, the, and then the Bucks went on a six Oh run and it kind of allows them to get going. You, then that's when they bring in Delhi and Thon and Jabari Parker, who I've 
I've slandered a while, but I thought he had, at least in the first half, had his best defensive performance I've ever seen him play. He looked really engaged. He had three blocks, two steals, and was playing with all sorts of confidence. You're right. They, the Celtics really missed an opportunity when they were playing that great defense to start the game. And then just the Bucks rode that energy from guys. They're role players at home. Like that's what happens in the playoffs, or at least with the Celtics. Um, no, it makes sense. I, and, but then you see Jabari Parker, he kind of just like, he didn't, he was nothing in the second half. It's the type of thing where it's just like, I don't expect Jabari Parker or Thon Maker or, you never know with Delhi because he's such a goddamn pest, but I just don't expect them to have the same impact in Boston. And so Celtics at going back home, I mean, you guys. I feel I, good. You feel, feel good. good. You, you should I feel, feel good. good about it. I still feel good. Like game three was a disaster, but it was one loss. Game four, that, that huge comeback, they, they, had the, they had the lead late, and then they just couldn't quite finish it off. So, you know, Giannis made a great play. And okay, fine. Uh, I I don't think the Celtics get down twenty at home in that situation. And then Marcus Smart comes back. Whether it's Game Five or Game Six, I think Marcus Smart changes the dynamic of this entire series because I think he starts first of all, and then so that brings Terry Rozier off the bench. So you are now matching uh, Terry Rozier with you know Della Vadova as opposed to. Uh, Shane Larkin, who and I will say Shane Larkin in the second half, end of the third quarter, beginning of the fourth was was okay. They rolled with Larkin. He was a he major made, part of the the catalyst for the comeback. Um, yeah, he made some really nice passes, even after like tripping and falling or slipping and falling. For a second there, I was like, who the hell greased the bottom of <laughs> Shane Larkin's shoes because he was slipping all over the goddamn place. But uh, he did Still, get attacked uh, defensively, though. It felt like they were yeah. just uh, like going to switches it's with him. Very simple. Yeah, you switch. You, you, you get Jabari Parker's man. You switch because they know the Celtics are going to get switches on every and on everything. And then you post Jabari Parker on, on Shane Larkin, and that's, that's hard. You can't do that. So in those situations, you, if you have Marcus Smart in there and he can switch, or, or even if it's Terry Rozier, it's better than Larkin because Terry Rozier is at least a little bit longer. So I I, th- I do think that changes the dynamic of the series a lot, and it and just means less minutes for play like Yabu, less minutes for Ojale. Yeah, like Marcus Smart is a starter, starting quality basketball player, and he's a great defender, and he's a switchable defender, and he's just going to make the Celtics defense that much better. And he's also a pretty capable pick and roll playmaker, uh, decision maker right. you can facilitate the offense a little bit i don't really want it like he's clearly not the best shooter although he could go for seven threes in the playoffs because that's happened before but it just raises the overall talent level of the celtics in which uh it feels like they're they're pretty evenly matched with regards to talent and they're just winning with uh or i think they're going to win based on just their ability to execute and so if you change if you give them that little influx in talent plus the execution um it's it's going to be good things for the Celtics. I good notice I didn't declare any team dead. I just said I think it will be positive. <laughs> I've le- learned you. my You're lesson. You're learning. You're making a playoff adjustment. Yeah, you have to. Let's get to some tweets if we can. Uh, let's get these out of the way. Alex at Straight No Chaser. Let's roll it back to that dumb fucking play at the end of the first half. That's your ball game. Micah Malloy at Micah underscore Angelo. That Delhi steal at halftime hurts so much more now. 
And he, that was tweeted like during that crazy run. Uh, so two two comments that go back to that stupid play. Like that was just a dumb, dumb play. At Scropeberg, the irony of losing on an offensive rebound after killing them on the boards all series. I know. The Celtics have been a lot better on the boards. And to have Giannis with his go-go gadget arms tip that ball in. For a second there, I thought it was a, a goaltending, but it was... That's only because uh, Tatum uh, wanted it to be a goaltend, and he made the little like review it sign, but then on the replay, it was just clearly not that. Yeah. Uh, at Ronaldo Oreo 82 I know this is not the right time, because he said this with 53 seconds left, but damn, the future is bright. Uh, with the hashtags, the reigning, team, the reigning Jays and the J team, which I think you just call them reigning Jays. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, the reigning Jays. Um, I'm happy to share the nickname for a fee. But I think, that you, look, one thing that a lot of people have been saying during this series so far is imagine Kyrie and uh, Gordon Hayward on this team. I mean, how good these guys have been doing. Uh, imagine Tice. It could really use Tice right now. Oh, we could really use Daniel Tice. How huge would he be in this series against Maker? He would be perfect to defend Thon Maker. And yeah, and to have Thon Maker defend him. Like that would be I, I think that would just be huge. Like that alone. Forget everything else. If we just had Daniel Tice, that would be a this series would be much much different. Um but oh well, we don't and that's the way it goes. So uh, rain and junk. Let's get some of these rain and junk tweets. Uh, does the second unit fall asleep for five to ten minutes? If not, Celtics and six. I think Celtics and six is good. That's not a rain and junk tweet, though. I that's uh, a you need to properly hashtag that. That's yeah, a rain and J. That's all right. How about this one then? At juice juice Costello at underscore Costello. This is what Jonathan Lipnicki from Jerry, Jerry Maguire looks like now. It's a picture of Jonathan Lipnicki and Prunty. So. That's they, it's 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 kind of scary how much they do look alike. That absolutely is him. Did you know that the human head weighs uh, eight pounds? <laughs> oh man! Yeah, uh, I got some deep cuts from Lip, Lip Nicky. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see, um, and then one more here from at Gateway LSAT. I'm going to this game in Milwaukee today. I wanted to bring a TNT sign that said. Tito, not Terry. I don't think the national media would get it. Also, the game was on ABC, it so it would be ABC. a real mind. mind yeah, you got to know. You got to know who you're on because they wouldn't put a TNT. But yeah, but Tito, not Terry, is a great sign. Uh, I don't know what the TV schedule is for the rest of the series, but if anybody wants to do a Tito, not Terry, go for it. I'm, I'm pretty sure the Celtics are two and zero on TNT and zero and two on ESPN ABC. So hopefully, yeah. Tuesday night games is on TNT. Yeah, let's hope. Let's hope. Uh, I don't right. have any of personal raining junk because, like, I, uh, I just stopped taking notes. Um, and normally I take – the best raining junk comes from, like, during a win where I'm, like, feeling good and there's other things to distract me. But during a loss, I don't want to, like, take notes on my stupid thoughts just because it feels kind of dumb. So um, – and then when the, they started playing well, uh, I just I, – I had to give up taking notes altogether because I didn't want to ruin the juju of the run. So the one reigning joke note, note I will have, and it's actually more serious, is that in the first half, the Celtics shot 30-20-58. Uh, and that is just uh, absurd. So I'm going to say that's reigning junk. 30% from the field, 20% from three, and 58 from the line. 
Not great. Not a great first half from Celtics. That's bad. That's bad. Okay, well, let's just end it on that. Look, it's been... Oh, I just remembered one thing. Thonmaker Aaron Baines fight needs to happen. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And Thonmaker asked Aaron Baines, are you crazy? And it's, uh, you don't ask a question you know the answer to. Yeah, yes, he is crazy. He's like, I'm Australian. Of course I'm crazy. That's, you know, you can't, you can't not be. Um, Shout out to all my people in Australia. We know. There's a, uh, what is it, Saturday Night Live? They, like a couple weekends ago. They had a thing on on the weekend update where the guy a guy got into a fight and got stabbed and then he turned around and ordered another beer with a <laughs> knife still in his back. So that by law makes him president of Australia. Like that was that's exactly what we think of when we think of Australia. Like you get into a fight, you get stabbed, and you're like, Oh, well I'm gonna have another beer. You know, then I'll go <laughs> get this thing out. Like That's how you win knifey spoony. That's it. (laughs) Uh, Excellent reference. We're going to end on that one. Celtics, unfortunately, end the trip to Milwaukee uh, with two losses, so the series is now tied 2-2. Celtics lose game four, 104-102. Game five is Tuesday night, either at 6 or 7 p.m. We'll have to wait to see the result of the San Antonio Golden State game, which the, the Spurs are winning which would make that a 7 p.m. game if they can hold on and keep on uh, winning that game. We'll wait to see what the result of that is. In the meantime, we hope that you are a subscriber, and if you're not a subscriber, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Even on Spotify, search for Lockdown Celtics. Do it on Spotify because Spotify, you know it's good because they curate their podcasts. They don't just accept everybody, but they have accepted us, so find Lockdown Celtics there. If you are a subscriber, go ahead and give us that five-star rating and a good review so everybody knows that they should be listening to the Locked On Celtics podcast. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. <laughs>